sanctuary and those who are worshiping at home. I'll invite the children who are here to come on up and join me here. And if you're worshiping at home, just get a little closer to your screen so you can see me waving. Good morning, good morning. Hope you all had a good day yesterday. We have such a beautiful fall, all the colorful leaves. What a great group. Oh, I'm so glad to see all of you. I want to talk for a minute this morning about the church, and then I want to sing a song with you, a song you may know already. So when we think about church, we might think of this building, this beautiful sanctuary that holds us when we're here in person and worship together, the stained glass windows. That's kind of what comes to our mind when we think of church. But you know what? This building is not really the church. The church is all the people. Because you never know, there may be something that happens that we can't come into the building. Who knows? We could gather out in Centennial Park and we would still be West End United Methodist Church. In those times when we couldn't come to church because of COVID, we were all kind of worshiping at home and looking at our computers and we were still the church. So there's a song that I learned when I was about your age, and you may know it too, and I'm going to sing it, and I bet some of these folks out here and at home know it as well, and if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. There's a first part, and then there's a verse, and then we're going to do the first part again, okay? So why don't you stand up, because we're going to do some motions too, okay? Here's how it goes. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. And here's the verse. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. Ready? I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. Let's go in a circle. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Let's pray. We can stay standing up and say a prayer together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your church. This not a building, but the people. And we thank you for these people at West End United Methodist Church, people who make us feel loved and teach us about you. Help us continue to be your people and be the church no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for singing with me. And if you are three years old, four years old, or five years old, you can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Chapel. Well, if you're three, you can go with Pastor Maggie. If you're five, you can go with Pastor Maggie. And if you're older, you can return. You can go with Pastor Maggie. You fit right in. When I was a junior in college, I had the privilege of studying abroad for a semester. I studied studied in Paris. (laughs) 
And my roommate from college also went on the program, so we roomed together in an apartment in Paris. And then after the semester wrapped up, my sister flew over and the three of us traveled around Europe with the Eurail Pass. You remember those good old days when you could just get a Eurail Pass and travel all around Europe? One of the things we enjoyed doing was taking pictures, because we didn't have cell phones back then. We had to take pictures and then see them when we got home and took them to Walmart. But we loved taking pictures, making tourist faces. So we'd stand in front of these great, famous places and go, so, and of course, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, Pisa, one of us was doing this, like it looks like you're pushing it over, and the other one's going. Or the Cathedral of Notre Dame. I've got to show them my face, too. The Colosseum. The Tower of London. Just so much excitement seeing these great monuments. And that's exactly the face I imagine the disciples making as they're walking out of the temple. Jesus, look at these enormous stones. Wow, what a wonder of the world. Can you believe that this is our temple, the temple of the Jews in Jerusalem? Isn't it amazing? And they weren't wrong. It was amazing. The temple of Solomon had been rebuilt around the year 500 BCE. But when Herod the Great came into power in the first century BCE, he had a lot of wealth and he wanted to make a statement about his power in the world. That's what leaders did back then. They built buildings to show the rest of the world that they were a force to be reckoned with. And Herod the Great was ruling in Judea at the same time that Cleopatra was in Egypt and Julius Caesar was in Rome. And so he wanted to be a player among those. And so he did a lot of building throughout Judea. But the jewel in his crown was the temple in Jerusalem. The historian Josephus gives us one of the only descriptions we have, but he talks about the, the shining bright white stone and marble of the temple. And that one whole side of the temple was gilt in gold, so that as the sun rose, it was almost impossible to look directly at the temple or you might be blinded the great bronze doors leading in to the center of the temple. It was a stunning, breathtaking building to see. And it's no wonder that the disciples are taken with it, are, are totally amazed and, one, and lost in wonder at the beauty of this building. It's also not surprising that they are deeply shocked when Jesus says, you see these stones? Very soon, not one of these stones will be on top of another. The whole thing will be thrown down and destroyed. How could that be? Something that, that seems so permanent. And not only that, not just a beautiful building, but this place that was at the heart and the heartbeat of Jewish worship and religious life. How could it be destroyed? Who would they be if the temple were destroyed? How could they possibly go on? It was about three years ago that the lectionary brought this text up the last time. And three years ago, I, I really could identify with the shock of these disciples. But now, three years later, 
I have a better understanding, perhaps, of what Jesus is saying. This whole idea that things we think are permanent, that will never be changed, can change overnight. I think we all know what that feels like now. Having walked through nearly two years of a pandemic, we know that there are a lot of things that felt permanent that weren't. If you had told me two years ago that the day was coming when we would close the church, that there would be an Easter Sunday that was empty in the sanctuary, I would have said, there is no way. I would have had the same reaction the disciples had to Jesus. If you had told me when I was ordained that the day would come when the denomination would be shaking and and perhaps splintering and the future would be uncertain, I would have said, there's no way. This is an institution that is stable, that's been around forever. How can that be? I think about our friends at East End United Methodist Church. Last week they had a a service of all saints worship and deconsecration where they deconsecrated their building that had been hit by the tornado in February of 2020 so that they could clear the ground and prepare to rebuild. But if you had told them three years ago that that this building that they had nurtured, that had nurtured them, that had been the place where they had gathered and and worshiped God and and sent their children to Sunday school and, and their youth for gatherings, if you had told them that building would be gone like that, They would not have believed it, and neither would I. If you had told me when I was standing in front of Notre Dame taking a picture that I would one day see it in flames, I wouldn't have believed it. But here Jesus is saying to these disciples, this amazing wonder of the world, the temple we're standing next to, is going to crumble. But he's not just saying this to be gloom and doom, to just say that, well, nothing lasts, nothing's permanent. He's saying this to them, A, because it's true. In 70 AD, the Roman army would take over Jerusalem and burn the temple to the ground. But he's also saying it as a wake-up call to remember that there is only one thing that is permanent, only one thing that is eternal, and that is God. The presence of God, no matter what happens, no matter what falls down all around you, no matter how institutions change or shift or how many buildings crumble, God will always be with you. The love of God made known in Jesus Christ is eternal and will never be shaken. As the Apostle Paul said, there is nothing that will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So wake up to that truth, Jesus says. Keep awake. Keep watch. Make sure that you you keep your eyes on the main thing. And that is God revealed in Jesus Christ, continuing to follow Jesus. But how how do we do that? What does that look like for us 2,000 years later? as we continue to to navigate a a pandemic and the shifting ground of our culture and all that's happening around us and all that's happening in our personal lives, the things that we thought were permanent that aren't. How do we keep awake? How do we keep our eyes on what is eternal? 
Our spiritual ancestors have passed down their wisdom to us over centuries of the spiritual practices of prayer, of reading scripture. For me, that's, that's one that perhaps helps me stay the most grounded, is, is continuing to go to the scriptures, not for history, not for facts, not for answers, but for an opportunity to hear from God through the power of the Spirit. Sharing with others, being in ministry with the poor, and seeing the face of Christ in others. Giving of our resources as today is our celebration of generosity, that practice of letting go of time and letting go of money that we give away for the sake of the work of God in the world is a very real, concrete, daily practice to help us keep the main thing the main thing. So we, we do these spiritual practices we keep awake, we keep attentive to the work of God in our lives and in our world, and we look for signs of hope. And that's ultimately where Jesus leads these disciples. The translation we heard is a little different, but in the NRSV, Jesus says, you know, there will be wars and rumors of wars, nations will rise against nations. That's all going to happen. But these are just the birth pangs the birth pangs. This is just the beginning of something new being born. So could it be that Jesus is saying, this temple may crumble, but soon I will die and rise again, and that God is a God of resurrection? So matter, no matter what seems to be crumbling around you, trust and believe that God is a God of new life. And what seems to be breaking down may just be breaking open to something new. Several of us were in Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, as you know, talking about the future of our denomination. And they have this great technology and we could vote on our phones and watch the results coming up on the screen as we were voting and they asked us to, to pick some of the most important characteristics of the Methodist way, the Methodist movement. And so there was this word jumble that was showing up on the screen. And the word that appeared the most would be the biggest and then the others. And in the middle, never moving was the word grace. Everything else was changing and shifting, but the word grace stayed and got bigger and bigger. It was a reminder that even in these times of shifting sands and institutional crumbling, perhaps, we know and understand what is at the heart of who we are, and that is God's grace. And as things shift and change around us in this season of life, there are things that will never change. God loves everyone unconditionally, the bedrock of our belief. And so let us trust Jesus and what he says to his disciples this morning in the text he says to us, keep awake, God is about to do something new.